Hey everyone, and welcome to the Yes I Can podcast, where our mission is to inspire and empower you to transform your life and transform the world by being fully, unapologetically, authentically you. I'm your host, Paul Can, and every week we are going to share amazing stories, strategies, and coaching to help you break through your limiting beliefs and supercharge your greatest superpower, the power of you. Your best life awaits. Let's go. And now I am really, really pumped for our guest today. It is such a treat, first of all. Not only is she just world-renowned in the work that she does, but she's also a great friend of mine, and I'm really blessed to know her quite well just from the time that we've been able to spend together as uh, you know, we had the opportunity to transform our lives um, in the same time frame together. And so she is the founder of Nova Han Productions, which is a full-service production company, and she specializes in art direction and design and, and production for stage shows and, and festivals and immersive art experiences. And she is USA's, not just in her field, but USA and globally, one of the leading visionaries and producers in the immersive market and live entertainment space. And you've probably seen her work in some very uh, world-renowned festivals. She has been the creative director of world-class music festivals like the Electric Forest Festival, and she's been featured in Grammy Celebration and Coachella and Firefly Festival and multiple world-renowned festivals worldwide. She's provided works and entertainment for artists such as the Black Eyed Peas, for Dead Mouse, and many well-known artists as well, and has been the creative director for the String Cheese Incident since 2010. And so she is not only world recognized and also um, awarded for multiple global awards across the world for the work that she does. She also started her own circus at one point. She is also a visionary and she is also a vivacious leader. So please help me in welcoming Nova Han. Nova, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I am so pumped and excited to have you. Dude, it is always a pleasure to speak with you. I'm excited too. Awesome. And so, you know, like we've had many different conversations and I'm really glad that we get to, you know, bring this, this conversation to um, our audience today. And I think, you know, I'd love for us to start with your journey because I think the journey that you've been on and what you've created is what many people would view as impossible or something that is only a one in a million type of possibility. And yet you have constantly been a trailblazer in your life, just defying expectations and showing what's possible. And, and yeah, I know for you, it always, it wasn't always that way. So what led you to doing the work that you're doing today? And tell us more about your journey to becoming the creative director of your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a little bit of a, a long, a long answer, but I'll, I'll try to keep <laughs> it concise. Um, uh, you know, I grew up uh, in Los Angeles and um, had a very Asian upbringing in terms of like really wanting to be strong in academia, um, went to college, like everyone else studied, um, not everyone else, but like a variety of us studied econ and theater because I always had a love for theater. And then did what most of us do out of college, which is have that existential crisis of what am I doing with my life? Um, mm. And so I wanted to get into this uh, New Year's Eve party for free. And so I thought, hey, why don't I just like make a little, a little show? And um, it, I ended up working with a, a group who um, they were getting together to do a, a show for New Year's Eve. So I kind of tagged along with them and became their main choreographer, the technical pro director, producer, all of that stuff. And 
it just started off as like, just like, Hey, I want to just do this one little show for fun. But it turned out that we ended up just, you know, getting witnessed at that show, being asked to create another show. One thing led to another and suddenly, you know, in the, within the first year we were performing at Coachella. I ended up designing shows for Coachella for like 10 years straight. Um, then I got, uh, other people started witnessing my work there. They have hired me to do, you know, other shows and productions for them. And kind of one thing led to another, like I haven't in my entire life have not spent a single dollar in marketing at all. Like, I guess the work itself wow. is marketing. So that's been lucky, but, but really like my whole philosophy really just changed when I was in, you know, I had been doing this circus as a sideline thing for fun, just because I wanted to travel, making art. Um, with my crazy friends going all over the world and it was such an adventure and it was so awesome and also I had that nagging part of my brain that was like when are you going to grow up and get a job like a real job um, whatever that means mm. and I remember I was working at this like stuffy pizzeria in Venice Beach and it was actually my parents pizzeria but it, it was dreadful I was sweating every day just from like this shoe box of a restaurant and I remember hearing um, Einstein's theory of the bees, where Einstein said that once the bees become extinct, um, that all mammals on earth will only have a matter of four years before everything is extinct because they are the beginning of the food chain. And I thought about it and I was thinking to myself, well, huh, if the bees had human consciousness, what would they be experiencing and thinking? And I figured, you know, they would probably think that they were insignificant in this world, that they were small, that they didn't matter, that they were one of a million that they were enslaved to the matriarchy you know maybe they would be bummed out that they have this weird sex addiction to another species <laughs> who knows right and um god if they had human consciousness like we might all be screwed because they'd be doing ayahuasca in a jungle trying to find their greater purpose but <laughs> you know what occurred to me when i thought about that was like hey if the bees had human consciousness like they would be having probably a similar existential crisis that I'm having right now and do I think that the bee has the key that it and that it understands that it is actually playing this vital role for all mammals on earth that it's holding the key to the existence of so many species I don't think it knows that and I don't think it does that because I don't think it it pollinates because it knows that it holds that key what it does is it goes out and it makes love to these flowers every day, which are specifically designed to be exciting to the bees to be able to do that. And once I kind of came up with that realization, once I realized that, I was like, huh. So basically, if I just follow my highest excitement, my highest joy, my flower, if you will, things that are designed specifically to be excited, exciting to me, it may never look big. I may never know the impact it has on the world. I may always feel insignificant, but I just need to have the faith that I'm serving the world the way the world needs to be served. And that everything else past that is simply my ego wanting to know that I made a difference and wanting to know that what I'm doing is important, um, that it's, you know, on a big scale. Like I may always only see the humble servant side and that's okay. So long as I am <laughs> faithful faithful to my joy I just need to you know have the faith that I'm serving the world the way it needs to be served so once I came up with that conclusion I fully dedicated my life to the arts and um, ever since then it's 
I've never gone backwards and it's always led me to the right people at the right place at the right time. And so much of success is being ready when opportunity is there. And I would never have been ready had I not gone on all of the weird side trails that led me to this life, you know, investigating things like, you know, dance and theater and going to these weird parties that ended up being my career. Just all of these things kind of culminated into what I've now created as a career. But it wouldn't have been that way had I not trusted trusted the intuition to have curiosity and and adventure upon that curiosity. I think, first of all, that's so powerful, your story, because I think it, you know, with what you've created and it's so incredibly impressive and it all started from you wanting to go to a party and you wanted to get him for free and you were like, I was going to create my own thing. And, you know, often that first step, like you said, it, we feel like it's so insignificant, but it really is this like this monumental moment because it was that that led to everything else. And I, I love what you brought up, you know, that, that what went through your mind in terms of with the bees and what it means to be significant in the world and, and live a life of significance and living in your highest joy and just doing what calls you to do. I think there's, um, I think this is the perfect time for that this conversation right now, because I think there are a lot of people that have been living a life that is lacking joy because they've been following what they think they should do and what they, you know, feel like other people are expecting them to do. And they're doubting themselves because they feel like that be like that, in, like they feel small and insignificant in the world. Like what difference am I going to make? And I think your, your story and your journey has shown what can be possible when you do follow your highest joy. And so for, for that moment when you were in, you know, that kind of, you know, fork road moment and you're like, you know, what should I do? Like, should I grow up and find a job, you know, grow up or should I follow my heart and follow my joy in a road that is really, you know, uncharted waters. Like there's no guarantee and no clue what's going to be at the end of it. What was that moment like for you? And what, what allowed you to, you know, have that breakthrough and push through to, choose the path of the unknown, one that brings you joy, even though it was filled with so much uncertainty. Totally. Um, you know, it was, I think it was, it was a lot of things. I mean, especially then it was so much more uncharted. I mean, back then, like nobody was fire dancing. Nobody was doing aerial arts. Like we had to actually teach the city of LA, like how do you have indoor fire in clubs? Like we had to like be there to help write the proposals all of that. But like, what really drove me was this, again, I, I became lit up with just pushing that envelope of possibility that I found to be thrilling. And, uh, and, you know, and for everybody, it's different. It's like, you, you have to pick what's actually, what's genuinely going to light you up. And for some people, safety lights them up. And that's perfectly okay. Mm. You know, that's perfectly okay. We all have our own unique paths. Um, for me, it was, you know, much more eccentric than that. But, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, for me, it's this understanding that picking the thing that lights you up the most, that gives you the most joy is actually a perfect positive feed because, and it's actually the most practical choice that you can make because when you are doing the thing that you love, it gives you energy and it gives you energy to do it better, to figure out how to make better systems to, um, you know, and that energy brings in other people that are very attracted to that energy that are also great at what they do. So it's this perfect feedback loop where you are, um, you are being fed by what you are feeding. 
uh, and it, it cycles and it cycles and it cycles. So it's actually the most practical thing that you could do because in this world, I've come to discover that it really doesn't matter what you pick. It could be as outrageous. I, I have some pretty outrageous artist friends. You know, one of them is a professional mermaid and she's considered like the first original mermaid. You know, people, friends that make cupcake art cars for sale that got sold on, um, you know, Sotheby's and, and whatever. And, and the thing is, it's like, it doesn't matter what you choose. You know, what matters is that you have to be the best at it in the world. And if you're the best at it, you're going to get paid for it you know, nobody really pays for mediocrity. And the only way to be the best at it is if you are obsessive about it, that you love it so much. And the only way to be sustainable at just putting day and night hours into something, obsessing over something and loving it, the only way for that to be sustainable is if it genuinely feeds you joy, if it mm. genuinely feeds you joy. So it's actually, it's, you know, so we're coming back full circle to the impetus, which is joy and how it, it, it cycles and it feeds itself. So it's a, it's not a lofty choice to go for the thing that you love. It's actually very practical so long as you have the discipline and the diligence to follow through. And I remember reading um, Conversations with God when I was in my younger years. And one of the things that it says in that book is that there's only two ways to fail. And one is self-doubt and the other is laziness. And if mm. you don't have either of those things, there's just it's just impossible to fail. It may just be a matter of time. First of all, there's so many gold nuggets in there. Um, and I and I love the book Conversations with God because that was actually a very transformational book for me. Um, it was probably my very first taste of looking at the world and at life in a very different lens that is not so linear and black and white. Like there was, it was like the space of what if, like what if, like and the possibility of like what you can create and what we're, we're here on earth to do. So I think that I love that book. And yeah. I, what I love what you said was that no one pays for mediocrity. And I think that is so profound. And I, and I want to bring this up, especially because money is often something that comes up a lot. And I'd say especially and prestige. I know you talked about ego earlier. And I, and I want to bring this up because I think this is a really important conversation, especially for the Asian community, because their creativity, anything in the creativity realm is often looked down upon as you can't make money doing this. Great. I'm fantastic that you love art, but how are you supposed to make money with that? And that often goes back to that, the making money piece. And that deters a lot of people from following their heart, following their dream, following what calls them to the highest story because there's that fear of what if I don't make any money with that? And so bring us to the conversation that you had with your parents because I know that they weren't always gung-ho about what you were up to and that at one time was a difficult conversation for you. You know, walk us through how you were able to, how you approach that at, in your life and when you had that conversation. And for those that are kind of in that space right now, the advice that you'd have for them in terms of navigating through that and following what is truly calling them to their highest joy. Yeah, totally. Well, with them, um, you know, they came to my earlier shows and to be quite frank, like we weren't that great. <laughs> but, <laughs> but we, you know, we, we provided a service that really wasn't in um, abundance at the time, which is like some really outrageous performance. We really mm. weren't pioneers of that style of art um you know outside of a circus tent anyway so they came to the first few shows and they were just like you want to dedicate your life to this and I just remember seeing them like run out of the theaters just like so embarrassed <laughs> I was like thanks mom and dad I've dedicated my life to this you know I also did not get get a lot of support from my siblings either who were just like we don't get it it's too out there um mm. we don't understand and uh, you know, and, and for me, it was just like, it was, first of all, holding the torch to what I was 
creating, which at the time, which was like, hey, what I'm creating is the realm of possibility of being able to go on amazing adventures with friends all over the world, creating impactful art. It's under the guise of a circus, but actually it's like, how do we create community? How do we work together? How do we, how do we achieve the impossible? Like, you know, this is the umbrella that we get to do it under, but that's what the real training is. Um, but, you know, going back to your question with the parents, I think that they finally cooled down once they saw that, um, that it was actually getting traction, that people were actually paying for my work. I mean, I remember the first time I did stuff with the Black Eyed Peas and with the Grammys, they were just, they didn't know who the Black Eyed Peas were. They don't care about the Grammys. It was just like so depressing. <laughs> like, okay, well, they're pretty big band and uh, I guess you really don't care. Um, what they do care about is they just wanted to make sure that I was going to be okay, that I could self-sustain. Um, and as they got older, they finally realized that happiness was important as well. And so I think that once they finally started seeing things take, take traction, that they were just happy that I could take care of myself. And so now, now they're totally cool. They still don't understand my art uh, and it's totally fine. Like I don't need that particular validation from my parents. Um, you know, that doesn't, I don't do things for them. I do things for the excitement of what I want to give away. Um, I don't do it for approval. Um, but it is, you know, it, it's been great that they can just have the ease of mind that I'm going to be okay. What was really standing out from, from what you said there is that sometimes the people that are in our lives or the people, and maybe not even people we know, because often we're looking for validation, they may not understand what we do and they might not understand who we are, but they can certainly feel how we are showing up and that energy. It's kind of like when you are across from someone that speaks a different language from you and you may not understand what they're saying specifically, but you can feel what they're trying to say. And from that inner feeling, from that energy, you, you can communicate something that doesn't necessarily need words like passion, like joy, like peace, like freedom. And I think that what you just said there really illustrates that because I think we're often looking for people to understand and get it and say, yes, I'm giving this check mark of validation. And yet some things don't need validation in terms of people needing to understand exactly who we are, but by us showing up authentically as who we are, people can understand, they can see us. And by seeing what we're creating in the world and who we're being, they're enrolled in that. They can be enrolled behind who we're being in the world. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, 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 it's in creating rapture and, you know, them being enraptured by just the vivaciousness and the, the liveliness that with which you get to step every step, because you are so alive about what you are, creating and giving and making and i really believe if we are created in the likeness of god whatever god any you believe then really that means that our um, most godly state is in the state of creation and i, and I think that creation piece is really key because one of the pieces to being alive is about creating it's about creating something in the world and i think we often are looking to leave a legacy you think about the word legacy comes up a lot and we're thinking we need to do something impactful that the world is going to recognize for us to leave a legacy but what it comes down to at the end of the day is what are you creating in your life and if you're creating something that comes from a place of bringing you joy that's the only thing you need to be worried about because naturally people will be drawn to that naturally you'll make an impact naturally people will see you yeah. 
naturally that will be the result of when you are so on fire about something and it's so, and it's from such a genuine place. I've, you know, and I've, I've tried a a lot of different things. Um, Mm. I mean, I had some, I've had a fairly successful trajectory professionally, but um, it's not to say that I haven't had a million things in between that I tried to build in between. And I cannot tell you enough times how many times I've tried to build stuff because it sounded like a good idea. And I thought it was going to make a lot of money. And I failed at every single one of those things because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't for coming from my deepest core of connection. Mm. You know, it, it just like, it was so cerebral in terms of like, that's going to be a great idea. People are going to love that. That's going to make a difference. Um, but was it connected to me personally where I could not sleep at night because I was obsessing over thinking about how to make this better? Um, how can I, you know, affect more people? How can I bring people more joy? All of that stuff. If it doesn't keep you up at night, it's probably not quite the right thing. Mm, yeah. And one thing that you brought up that was really, I think, important to, to note and, and I want to touch on is what you said around how you thought it would be a good idea and you thought this would be something that you should be doing. What I want to touch on is the difference between happiness and joy, because often you hear a lot around, I just want to be happy. I just want to be happy. So I'm going to follow the thing that makes me happy. But often we, we follow that thing. And I, I understand that because I, you know, for many, many years lived in that way where I thought I was chasing this happiness, but realized that actually there was no joy in it and that the happiness piece of it was very fleeting. And so talk more a little bit about that in terms of how did you differentiate between what truly brought you joy and how you differentiated that from something that would be giving you maybe momentary happiness or something that seemed like it was some great idea, like you said, that you should be doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, that, that part is an active daily practice. Mm. It's, it's, you know, and for a lot of people, when you're spiriting, a lot of people are like, I don't know what brings me joy. That, mm. that, that alone can be very challenging. And yes. it's, and it's, you know, you have to snip it out like anything else that you want to uncover. Um, it's, it's, it's following anything, any impulse that gives you just a little bit of spark, a little bit of like, just like, Oh, that was, that was fun. And noticing those things and continuing to do those things um, until something really strikes your fancy. Um, but continuing to investigate and feel the little shifts and the little rises in your heart that are opening or closing. And, and oftentimes I have to check myself because I will have, I'll have to check myself and be like, Hey, do I still love creating events for instance, or is that just an old dream that I've been repeating on repeat over and over and over and it's stale now? Mm. How do I make it not stale? Um, how, you know, like every day it's navigating a different route and it may not take you that route. Or sometimes it's like, okay, like discipline doesn't oftentimes bring a lot of people joy, for instance, right? Like Mm. that's not like more exciting maybe than watching the latest episode of whatever your favorite television show is. And so it can get confusing when you, you know, are faced with those kind of options, but then you have to look at it from different lenses going like, okay, what is my payoff here? Am I actually going to get more joy knowing that I've sustained slow and incremental progress that maybe in that moment feels like a grind, Hmm. but you know that that's going to give you this like sense of fortified joy in yourself, right? Versus the instantaneous um, instant moment of gratification of like, I'm going to eat that dessert or whatever, whatever it is. 
Um, so it, it's, it's definitely, it, there's a lot of layers to it and you have to kind of navigate that path for yourself and, and learn where you are in that state. Cause it, it can be confusing at times, I would say in terms of like, well, I just want to lay down on this couch and eat this ice cream versus working out. And you're like, actually the real joy is in that sustained progress. It's in me knowing that I get to be my word today. It's in me knowing that I'm empowered, that I did something that I really did not want to do. And I stuck to it. Mm. Um, so yeah, you only learn that pers- those perspectives the more that you do it. Yeah. And I, I love so many pieces that you brought up there. And what I'm hearing you say is, is that the journey to create joy in your life or to being joyful in your life is number one, a commitment to that. And that commitment also comes with a piece of willing to go through the things that don't make you happy in the moment, the things that are not enjoyable for you in the moment and not living based on a feeling. Because there's a difference between being in a state of being joyful like you said, this, this vision that you had of, of just creating this like outrageous, vibrant, you know, arts in the world and performances and this experience that you're bringing others, that vision for you, it wasn't like that every step of the way in terms of like bringing you joy in every moment. There might've been moments where it's, you're sad moments where there was failure and moments where it didn't work out. And that either way, the joy is in, like you said, the journey of it. And I think often that's where we get lost is that the moment we feel down, the moment we fail, the moment we feel like this isn't how I'm, I'm not feeling great about this right now. We cut it off at the knees. We quit, we drop it. We're like, this is not the thing. This is it. And what I'm hearing you say is that if the joy is not just at the very end of quote unquote, the, the tunnel or the final destination, it's about sustaining and living in, in where you're going and living in that every single moment and not by your feeling, just being committed to what you see at the end and being willing to go through it instead of finding ways to go around it. Yeah, I like what you, I like what you said a lot about like how uh, joy is in the journey, within the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, one thing that um, is coming up for me as well as we're talking about this, this journey to joy, you, brought, you mentioned something earlier around people not knowing what brings them joy. And I think that's actually a, a very legitimate question right now because there's a lot of, in the space that we're in, like you said, we, we've had this conversation as well where you know, you've been in, in the entertainment industry for so many years and now there's like this halt to it. And, and that's the world that we're in right now where a lot of people's careers and what they've been doing up until this point is at a halt or there is this dramatic change in all the things that we thought we defined ourselves as is all of a sudden put into a one big question of is this still something like who am I is this something that still brings me joy and like why am I doing this anyways for those that are in that place where they've maybe been in a career or been living their life in a way where they've been doing a lot of things that maybe they thought brought them joy but actually was was not bringing them joy and they don't even know where to start it's almost like like a reset button. I love what you brought about trying different things. Like it's about taking committed action and being willing to try and fail. And so talk about that process for you. Cause like you said, there was between all the highlights in your career so far in your life, there was a lot of, I'm sure, low lights moments that were difficult moments where you're like, this is going to be the thing. And it ended up not being that share with us. Like, what was that like for you in those moments when there was moments of failure, when it was supposed to be the thing and didn't end up being that and still seeing that light at the end of the tunnel and that this was still the path for you and to continue moving forward. 
Yeah, you know, I actually am going through that right this very moment. Mm. Um, because as you said, my, my entire industry halted. I had a lot of really large, very big projects that would have been complete just game changers for my career, for my monetary status um, mm. that I was very excited about pre-COVID. And then COVID hit and everything got wiped out. And so I, ha I had to do the same thing. Like I had to be, I had to go, okay, do I still love this? Do I want to stick to this? Do I want to just run away and escape and have a little farm in the mountains somewhere? Do I want to quit and just live in Bali and make clothes and whatever? You know, like I, I went through all of these different thought processes. And for me to come back, I, you know, I've come back full circle now. Mm. I've come back full circle now to realize like, hey, now is not the time to quit. Like your path, this is still your path. But for me to come back full circle, I had to investigate things a little bit. So I went on a road trip and I started looking at different properties and I've been, um, you know, that I might create that little farm in. I started doing a bunch of research on real estate um, uh, and on finances and seeing if I had the capacity to like really get interested, um, which I do actually, I, I do have the capacity to be very interested. Um, I investigated, you know, a lot of different business models and in just taking those little bite-sized bites and, and putting myself in the space of what if, let's pretend I'm, I'm moving forward. What are the steps? What am I going to do here? I was able to very clearly see, like, actually, I have zero interest in this thing that I think is a really great, another great idea um, that could potentially make a lot of money. I, you know, I came to terms with, like, I don't have interest in that thing. I am not mm. the shepherd of that great idea that will be for somebody else out there in the world. Yeah, I, I basically, I did the same thing that I preach, which is I sniffed out the scent of all the things that I thought could be interesting. And I was able to boil it back down to what I genuinely love, what genuinely gives me a spark. But yeah, it was a process. It takes time. Mm. I think what you mentioned there that was really powerful was that sometimes there's going to be a great idea and the great idea just might not be for you. And that I think we're often chasing that great idea, like, oh, what's going to be the next multi-million dollar, billion dollar idea and chasing the good idea versus that just might not be for me. And I'm willing to be okay with it in order to pursue something that is more important to me, which is joy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and also I think it comes back to that quote that we we're talking about from conversations with God. It's just like the only way to fail is laziness and self-doubt laziness is within our means of control within action mm. and, and the self-doubt comes from you know choosing to believe in yourself really so uh like for me in in that process there have been a variety of times where i have you know in this time right now even i'm i'm finding that like a lot of my imposter syndrome has been coming up a lot of negativity around things that i've created like who do you think you are none of that stuff is so great blah 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 and I'm really looking at that and witnessing like how much that is doing me a disservice and how I get to stop these habits mm. um, as well and, and speak more kindly to myself. But also just um, one thing that I've been saying is like, is reminding myself like, hey, I am blessed and highly favored. Look at, mm. you know, and I, I have no lack of great ideas. That, that is not, that is not where the lack is. There's a million great ideas out there. It's about the one that you have that, that speaks to you, that grabs your tail and says, hey, pay attention to me. You're the one that's going to bring this to fruition. Mm -hmm. um, so staying open, open, open 
investigating actively for that thing that is going to generate an energy within you. Mm, yeah. What I'm hearing underneath that is that you can have the greatest idea in the world. You can be highly successful in what you're doing and have all the different accolades. And if at the very core, you don't believe in yourself and you're, you're not being in touch with what are the voices inside of you that are telling you and being able to recognize and also work through the self-doubt of yourself that it doesn't really matter. Because I think often we feel like once we get to a certain level of success in our lives that that goes away. Like I'm sure many people would look at you and say, wow, like look at what you've created. And yet I think what is so amazing about you shared there in your vulnerability is that there are still moments of self-doubt. There are still moments of like, wow, like who am I? And so it's not like all of us are human at the end of the day. Like it's not yeah. about the, the outside accolades that inside we still have this that comes up. And I don't think it ever goes away. You know, I, I think that there are, there have been times where I've, I've felt great about what I, where I am and what I've created. And then there are times where I just think that everything that I touch is utter shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And it's, I, you know, it just, I don't know that it ever goes away, but it's just like your commitment to what you're creating and what you're, actively how you actively want to pursue your life which is like my choice is that i believe that words are spells that that they cast a spell that they have power to them so i am going to try my best to be committed to not go down the rabbit hole of negativity about myself mm. i can certainly acknowledge areas that i get to grow um, but i'm not going to tell the stories of where i am total trash that's not that's not helping anybody Mm, yeah, absolutely. And I think it starts us being able to see the gifts that are in front of us, at, whether it's people or ideas, starts with how we see ourselves. And I think that part is so incredibly key because when we don't see ourselves and we don't love ourselves, when we are not fully authentic with ourselves, we are unable to see that in others. And I think that is at the very core of you know, everything that we do, whether it's the connection piece, whether it's like the joy piece that we've been talking about, that possibly can't happen without you being in the equation, you loving yourself being in the equation. And so, you know, what, one thing that I think, um, you know, as we're kind of tying this all together that I think I would love to tie this conversation with the bow with is around the piece of reinvention, because I think you've reinvented yourself over and over in your life. And especially right now, just where we are, is like another new age of reinvention. And you've been going through that in your own career as well. For those that are going through that right now, what advice do you have for them um, in terms of how do you take who you were before and reinventing yourselves in a way that creates joy, in a way that's still grounded to who you authentically are? Well, there's a, a, a couple of things. One, for me, I actually do a, I have a morning practice and this helps me a lot. And I, um, I do a 20 minute meditation and then I go through and I kind of do self affirmations just to make sure that I know who I am that day. So I will go, you know, tune through my body and I'll say like, I am, I am love. I, I speak the words that I are connected to my heart. I am vulnerable. I'm connected. I'm wise. Um, I say a variety of affirmations to remind myself that I am not the horrible things that we like to tell ourselves all day long. Mm. It is amazing how many times that we say just terrible things about ourselves. So um, I start off like that. Um, and then I start my day by having gratitude for all the things that I am 
experiencing in life and all the things that I am going to create in life. So also bringing that to the forefront of like, hey, thank you so much for this opportunity of COVID because it gives me time to gestate to create, you know, whatever is next on my plate. I don't know what that is in word or vision, but I know that that's coming soon. So, mm. if, you know, you could say something like that if you have no clue what it is. Like, thank you for bringing into word and vision what my next steps are. I am here humbly open and waiting. Um, mm. whatever that is. And then past that, it's exactly as I said, it's, it, it's taking action, investigating anything that you may be interested in, putting in the time and work to really try it on, learn what you're going to learn from it. It's always going to be a valuable experience, whether you like it or not, even not liking it deduces your options. It reduces them. And then past that, it's, gosh, and this is where I am, the phase that I'm in right now, is um, being gentle your, on yourself and, and patience to just because things are not happening in the time frame that you want and you expect and that you know everything is so instant gratification these days just having the faith that you your life is blessed that you are highly favored that everybody has their own lane that you will discover that you will discover it it just is a matter of time mm -hmm. Yeah. And what a, what a beautiful way to enter a conversation because it really comes down to having grace and patience for where we're at and knowing that it's going to be there. It may look different than what we expect, but when we're staying grounded, when we are willing to be in committed action to move forward and explore and be willing to fail and be willing to be wrong and to stay in it anyways, and to believe that it's at the end of the tunnel for us, that it's going to show up for us. And actually, I want to say one more thing on that. Yeah. It's it's the question of what can you do today, right? Mm. Because I feel like so many of us are like waiting for the perfect storm of mm. the money and the time. And now we've got the babysitter and the da da da. It's just like, and, and then uh, and then you you don't want to make steps until everything seems perfect. And it's just like, just every day, what can you do today with what you have? Mm that alone ha it creates so many lessons right there. So not waiting for all of the elements to stack up perfectly before you begin. Yeah, Just begin. absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. So I've, what a powerful conversation. And, you know, I, I know that I, I always enjoy our conversations so much. They're so enlightening. They're so, I learned so much from you. I'm so inspired by you. Um, and I'm sure our listeners have been as well, just with what you'd share with us. And for, for those of our listeners that want to check out more of your work and what you're up to and follow you, or even maybe reach out to you, where can they find you, Nova? Yeah, totally. Um, you can find me on my Instagram, which is Nova Han, um, H-A-N is how you spell the last name, N-O-V-A-H-A-N. And um, I also have a bunch of videos up on um, one of my quarantine projects is creating something called We Howl. Um, it's W-E-H-O-W-L, uh, and on our YouTube, we have a bunch of free concerts and interviews with other artists, so you can check out all that material for free as well. Awesome, awesome. And so thank you once again, um, you know, for, for being on the podcast, Hannah, uh, 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 Hannah, geez, <laughs> like thinking about your last name, Hannah, I'm like, Nova, what in the world? And, uh, you know, I'm just... Um, I'm just so I'm just so excited uh, for what our listeners get to you know really learn from you and and take away into their own lives and just be inspired by what you've created and 
And so thank you so much for spending your time with us and inspiring and empowering all of us for what can be possible when you lean into your highest joy. Love you. And I also learned just so much from you. And I'm always so inspired by the man that you're committed to being every day. So the feeling is very mutual. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, thank you so much, Nova. It's, uh, it's such a pleasure to, to not only just stand alongside you in the world, but, you know, be your friend and, um, and continue yeah. to, to learn from you. So, so thank you so much for the work yeah. that you do in the world. Um, and for our listeners, thank you for joining us today and for being a part of, uh, you know, what we're creating and for listening to this episode. And until next time, keep being fully, unapologetically, authentically. You. We'll see you next time. The Yes I Can podcast is directed by Paul Can. Executive producers of the podcast are Paul Can, Chelsea Lynn, and Joyce Sauce.